Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, this is Sharon Swing, and I am so excited to have this conversation today. Our guest among us is Lori Schultz, and she's a dear friend. She is the producer of Sybil's Book Club that we do through One Life Maps. So she hangs out with Sybil, and they read a new book every month and have a good conversation with it uh, around those books with a community of people that are just interested in those books, the intersection of life story and spiritual practice. Joan Kelly is around the table with me today. Hey, everybody. And Lori, I'm just so excited to talk to you a little bit about your story today, and thanks for coming. It's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, Lori has been on quite a journey, as she says, Mm. and she has really taken to the Ignatian exercises. And so some of you may not even be familiar with the Ignatian exercises. So we're going to ask Lori a little bit about her story and the Ignatian exercises and where that has taken her in her spiritual journey. So she's been a part of One Life Maps for how many years now? I think it's been about maybe eight years. Going on eight, yeah, I think, right? Like yeah. yeah, It has been a while. Yeah. And uh, so I am interested to, to get a little bit more of the backstory about your spiritual heritage. Mm. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what was your perspective of God and where did that come from? Hmm. Um, well, my heritage is actually a really good word for it because my, um, my grandparents and my parents were both pastors in the Salvation Army. And so I um, come from kind of a long line of, and bo- actually on both my mom and my dad's side um, of from S- the Salvation Army has been my church tradition. So a lot of people don't even know that that's a church, um, but it is. And so that's what I grew up in. in. And I also, um, I would say I, there's never been a time in my life where I haven't been connected to church um, and connected to a knowledge and um, a relationship with God. But I would say in my, hmm, I, having grown up in it, um, there was, I, I feel like I kind of inherited my belief system and my, mm-hmm. um, and my, really my religion, I guess I would call it. And it was a really good foundation, a really good starting point. Um, if you know anything about the Salvation Army, one, it, it's a very scripture-based, um, you know, Protestant um, denomination. And one of the big things about the Salvation Army that a lot of people probably do know is the service aspect of it. And so I would say growing up, that was just a really natural part of um, my upbringing was that outward expression of your faith, you know. So um, doing, uh, serving, and having a sort of a a social justice, you know, kind of uh, mindset in the midst of all of your your faith walk um, was really beautiful. So I spent a lot of time, I mean, in the church just growing up and growing in my own faith, but then also pretty early on started even serving in the church and then um, even outside of the church as just a part of my uh, in my spiritual experience. But I would say when I got into my 40s, and you know, at that point I was, a, um, you know, I got married young, um, had three kids. I was a, a teacher for a short time and then stayed at home with my kids, um, you know, when we were 
when we were young married. <laughs> um, and I would say for about, I guess I was at home with my kids for about 18 years. Um, and somewhere in the midst of that, we, you know, we were doing all kinds of, it felt like all the right things. Um, serving in the church, we led youth group for a long time. Um, but, and I didn't necessarily feel like I was a uh, spiritual giant by any means, but I, you know, I led Bible studies and I was doing a lot of my own um, learning and experiencing God. But I would say, looking back on it, for about 40 years, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really necessarily have a lot of um, emotional experience of God, if that makes sense. And I didn't realize that. Some of it just had to do with um, having probably been in a similar, you know, when you're surrounded by the same thing for a long time, um, you don't even really know what you don't know, what you're missing out on. And so I had a, I encountered at one point in time in my early, about 10 years ago now, um, somebody that, that I was um, working with, with a family that I was coming alongside. And uh, she happened to be a counselor and a spiritual director. And when we were meeting together at one point, she asked me just a, a question that I couldn't answer very well. And it was pretty simple. It was just uh, kind of curious. It seems like you're pretty okay all the time, she said. Kind of curious where that strength comes from and where that leaves you with the Lord. And I found myself wanting to say, um, you know, well, my strength comes from the Lord. <laughs> But there was something inside of me that knew that if I, you know, if I went, if I said that it wasn't, it might be true to some extent, but there was something inside of me that knew that um, I just, I couldn't answer that question very honestly. And so I found myself wrestling for a couple of weeks um, with that. And the next time we met, I started to share with her what my response, you know, the best response I could come up with. And in the end, ended up finding myself, um, you know, she said, after about five minutes in, how are you feeling right now while you're sharing this with me? And I ended up saying, um, well, do I look like I'm feeling something? Because I didn't tell me. I wasn't <laughs> crying. Tell me what I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just kind of, you know, taken aback. And again, I just, I wasn't used to being um, at, like, poked around at. You know, I just, I hadn't, I feel like I had, I, I, I had been pretty well behaved, um, you know, in my just I didn't get challenged I guess when I think about it so just the fact that she was asking these questions um was kind of shaking things up on the inside well it sounds like it 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 may not be a challenge for just anybody to say how are you feeling right but for you at that point in time yeah that was a wait a minute feelings Right. I, you know, and I had no idea how disconnected I, I really was from my emotion at that point in my in my life. So this was long before I knew anything about the Enneagram or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what my personality type was. Um, and I had ne- no one had ever questioned the fact that I, you know, that I had it. It seemed like I had it together pretty much most of the time. So I so this didn't seem like a problem to me. <laughs> No. So I, anyway, in the midst of trying to answer that, she said, um, how are you feeling? And I ended up when she, when I didn't, you know, notice, I couldn't tell what I was feeling. I ended up just continuing to share, you know, she said, yes, she could see that I was feeling something. And so as I continued to talk, the tears just started flowing and I had no idea. I was so disconnected from my feelings at that point that I, you may as well have said, Um, you know, there are these two holes on my face and there's water pouring out of them. I just, (laughs) I wasn't, it wasn't matching. Um, I I can't even remember what I shared at that point, but I spent about three hours at that point then sharing, um, you know, parts of my story. 
And so I just, um, it, it led, it, it began a journey for me, I would say at that point of, um, some spiritual awakening. And so I, I would say that was a, a summer of deconstruction. I kind of had to fall apart before, um, you know, God started putting some of the pieces back together, but he led me on this very organic journey, a combination of, um, you know, having some time in spiritual direction, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. And I found myself reading. Um, so I went, you know, one book led to another, to another, to another, and, um, some spiritual practices like solitude and, in the midst of all of that, um, God was just really teaching me a lot of things about myself and more about himself. And, uh, and so I would say if I could kind of jump forward and say, um, now looking back on it, it was a time of just unlearning, you know, on, it's like that middle in middle of life, um, you've, you've spent the first half building everything up and this was like, you know, taking it apart again, but for, um, a deeper intimacy and experience of God. So I know some people, as they make a, a spiritual transition like that, it starts with an emotion, mm-hmm. leads to a spiritual transformation of some for some type. But it's almost like we have to put down, like you described what we have done right. and almost ask questions like, wait a minute, is this a best kept secret that there's, the, that there's <laughs> right. more? Right. It, it, it does, is that what it felt like? like yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Why hadn't anybody told me? Right. And I, yes, it exactly. I, I felt like, um, I, f- I must've said a hundred times, how did I never know this? <laughs> I mean, I, I felt like I didn't even know who I was for a little while. So, how did I never know this? What's this? Yeah. How would you put words to that? Um, I think what I was missing. I mean, I, I just, uh, up to that point, I feel like, you know, you know how Brene Brown says you can't numb emotions selectively. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, you know, because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't experiencing a depth of, I wasn't allowing myself. I think I had a lot of defenses, a lot of ways that I was keeping myself from actually ex- feeling you know, to, to not experience the darker parts of life um, and to, you know, to be able to maintain a, a sort of a, an illusion, I would say, of contentment, um, which I almost even spiritualized, you know, find a way to be content in all circumstances, which really just meant don't let that touch you, you know. And I had, unbeknownst to me, I had ways of, you know, survival mechanisms that, had kept me that you know that served me well in that part of my life um and as Sybil would say that doesn't serve you (laughs) it doesn't not going to serve you now in this stage um so I I didn't know so there was this peeling off of layers I'm hearing here too yeah right yes and that was and it was a looking back I feel like God was very was gentle Mm -hmm. and he really went before me and as far as um it was it was difficult to find a place um, that could hold that at the time. Uh, Kevin, my husband, was really he's if you know the Enneagram at all, he's a four on the Enneagram. <laughs> I'm a seven, uh, so he was he was wonderful about you know sort of receiving all of this new emotion at least for a period of time, and even for him it got to be a little bit more disconcerting after a while. Um, but it but you know he was at least a safe a safe place to explore all of that. In my church um, world, I would say it was a little bit, it was hard to find, um, you know, it was almost like I was speaking a new language. 
Uh, and, and it wasn't that people weren't open to it, but I, I felt, I feel like at some point we got to a place where it felt like we needed to have, um, you know, uh, a different kind of place to maybe grow in. And, and not, we left our church not because it was, there was anything negative or bad about it, but I felt like God was just saying, attach yourself to me, um, in a new way and, and let go of what you've always known and been attached to for this, you know, in this season. So, so we found ourselves, um, moving over to Willow Creek, which is where I stepped in, you know, and and there he went before me as well. You know, the first, a friend of mine from Barrington, um, you know, when I talked to her a little bit about what I was experiencing in spiritual formation, she said, well, if you're looking for spiritual formation, you should try this Thursday class, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which at the time she had just finished teaching and Joan and Gail, um, Joan, who's here today, was just beginning to teach. And, um, and so Willow didn't necessarily have um, spiritual formation oozing out of the weekend services. You know, it's not that wasn't necessarily, um, you know, a, being a larger, you know, seeker-friendly church. That's not necessarily what I was finding there. But I did find it in the um, sort of in the underbelly <laughs> So the in the basement actually yes, yes. <laughs> truly yeah but so the, so you were reading books you were yeah. finding your way into these books that were spiritual formation related mm-hmm. so for people that may not be aware of spiritual formation kinds of resources how would you describe what you were encountering in those books that were not a part of your spiritual tradition? Yeah. Well, for one thing, I wasn't really, I would say prior to that time, I wasn't a big reader in general. Here, I, you know, I was an educator, elementary educator, um, but I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't do a lot of, well, I wasn't very reflective. I guess that's, that's probably a good uh, description. And so when I started, you know, kind of searching for, um, some language around what I was experiencing. I found myself, at, you know, one of the first books that I read was um, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. And I, you know, I just, all of a sudden, I felt like I was, you know, she was she was naming what I was experiencing. And so it was really an inward journey. It was, you know, what I was, um, you know, a, a deeper place of reflection and, and paying attention to, mm-hmm. um, you know, my emotions and things that were happening internally that I just had not even uh, paid attention to before. So it sounds like this inner spiritual life right. had been tapped into, starting yeah. with a question. Yeah. <laughs> and you were off to the races. Yep. And it just, it never stopped. So these, those books really became my teachers in places mm-hmm. that I didn't even know what questions to ask. Um, and I, and one book would lead to another and I found myself going from Ruth Haley Barton to, um, Henry Nowen. <laughs> and I mean, it just, and it, it not long, I mean, within about six months, I found myself reading C.S. Lewis and, um, eventually Teresa of Avila, you know, so mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. straight, I, I, I landed straight into the, you know, even to the mystics and started connecting with spiritual practices and, um, and even the historical church, which I feel like coming from this, you know, an evangelical kind of tradition, I think we've just, we became, you know, somewhat untethered from that. So I experienced things like, um, you know, more of a sacramental, um, you know, experience like I, we had, I had never taken communion before. Um, I was, had never been baptized. It, It wasn't a part of my tradition. We had our own ways of acknowledging and recognizing those things. 
Um, but for me, when I the first time I took communion, I felt like it it was a physical experience for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, the you know reading these books just gave me some a little bit of a window into traditions and spiritual experiences that I just had never even considered well and into these emotions that you weren't aware of like I you know Lori we've had many conversations about how you discovered like pain and joy can live together in the same space right I mean that was so in every step of the way I felt like God was bringing a combination of people Mm -hmm. um you know you were a big part of my story at that point Joan when Mm -hmm. I you know I'm in the process of uh, trying to even imagine how to hold pain and joy together I mean Mm -hmm. those were those were so separate for me. You know, I could, if I had pain, there was no, I couldn't even picture those, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of intermingled. Um, and I, I feel like he gave me people again and, and, uh, experiences that just helped me catch, you know, capture the, a vision for it. Um, so it was a real, it was a holistic journey, Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. of, um, like head, heart and, and gut. Yeah, I heard that here. <laughs> yeah. in, even just this last little section, you said communion, it became right. body experience. Yeah, it was physical. Yeah. yeah. The recognizing and responding to God in the midst of your story mm-hmm. was, it sounds like, just bringing you alive with experiences of yeah. God. Right. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. there's so much history in between here, but you found the Ignatian practices mm-hmm. in the midst of all this. But first we have to describe what that is. Yeah. So the Ignatian exercises, it comes from um, St. Ignatius. So it's from the, the Jesuit tradition. And if there's one um, tradition, one, one um, Christian tradition that I have not really been connected to, it's the Catholic tradition. Um, but when I, uh, some of the practices that I was engaging with had even come from the Ignatian exercises. One was the examine. And so there were some things that I was, you know, like touching that I, I had no idea really what, you know, the broader spirituality that it came out of. Um, so we started, I started encountering, you know, various teachers like um, Father Michael Sparrow when we got connected to the practice um, and, and just starting to recognize what the Jesuit, you know, Jesuit spirituality was, this Ignatian spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first encountered um, the Ignatian exercises officially, I was in the process of helping develop a, a spiritual formation certificate program. And we were kind of looking for a framework that we could, you know, use to, I, I had this, I feel like in the process of all of this journey, I, I, I thought this doesn't feel unique to me, you know, as far as being a, a you know, a believer at, uh, for 40 years and kind of in some ways feeling like I was having this awakening. Um, and I thought there's got to be a, you know, a path, like how, how, as a teacher, I felt like there's, what's the path for, for spiritual growth? You know, there's, there's something that I've just experienced and it felt like God was giving me a bit of a blueprint, um, of the different things that had occurred in my, you know, year, this year long journey that I had been on. And in the process of that, I landed with, in this book, The Ignatian Adventure, when we were, you know, thinking about the foundation for this content. And I, all of a sudden, when I first encountered the Ignatian exercises, and I, I realized the, the sort of the scope and sequence of it, 
um, I felt like I had been there before, you know, so it, it just, I connected so deeply to it because basically the flow of the exercises, it's a, they call it, St. Ignatius call it, Ignatius calls it weeks, but it's not actually like weeks, like a week. Um, it's more like movements. Um, so he has an introductory, you know, part that starts with God's love for you. And then it moves into um, recognizing that when you encounter God, that you have a t- you tend to c- encounter yourself. And so um, this is exactly what happened at the beginning of my journey: is that I had an encounter um, with God that led to really a deconstruction um, and a, a deeper knowledge of my own self, and in particular, really my own sin that I had never even. Um, not that I thought that I was perfect by any means, but I didn't, the stuff that I would have called sin or what I would have thought of as sin what, was stuff that I was probably pretty good at not doing. <laughs> and I was really discovering in the midst of that early part of my, you know, I would say spiritual awakening or second conversion, um, I was encountering my pride and my um, ability to sort of do things on my own. And so in, so in the Ignatian exercises, it starts with God's love for you. And really that just keeps coming, coming back around and coming back around. But as you move from that part in the introduction to, um, you know, really your own sin patterns and those kinds of things, then, you, then it ends in that introduction to with the um, God's love and forgiveness and mercy. Right. And because we really can't face our own sin without yeah. the covering of God's love. Mm-hmm. We can't bear to be right. right to be honest with ourselves about ourselves right without knowing that we're loved right so what I discovered in that is that to the extent that you um, or this is I'll, this is my interpretation of it to the extent the extent that you can actually receive or know that you are loved feels to me parallel with um, the amount that you can actually face into yourself. So I feel like that, you know, really goes hand in hand. So I, now I look at that journey, and, and I think the Ignatian exercises really um, promotes this, you know, that it's you're always learning more about God and more about yourself. And, it, and, uh, and those things are going hand in hand throughout your entire life and spiritual journey. And so to the extent that you recognize how deeply you are loved, you can afford to then come out into the light and see yourself more truly. Coming so it feels like hiding. Kind of out of hiding. Right. Right. Um, so that's the first, you know, beginning of the Ignatian exercises. That's the introduction. Then as you move into the first week, it's basically um, recognizing, um, let me, I'm just going to, I want to give you a little bit of a very specific Lori is opening the book called <laughs> Yeah, The Ignatian Adventure. Um, and give the author so they can. Yeah, sure this particular it. book happens to be my favorite resource. Just coming from an evangelical background, I felt like this was a really friendly introduction to the Ignatian exercises. It's by Kevin O'Brien, and it's called The Ignatian Adventure. So his the beginning of it, he, he names it, The Ad- Adventure Begins, and that's those are the uh, movements that I just shared with you. The first week he calls experiencing the boundless mercy of God. So this is the part when you actually recognize God's mercy. And so in, after encountering yourself and your, you know, your, own, your own sin, then you recognize God's merciful love. 
um, and you get into his forgiveness. And then in the second week, it's really the story, the life of Christ. So he calls that accompanying Jesus Christ on mission. And so you go through really the gospel stories. And for me, this was really powerful because I feel like this is the journey that God led me on is I knew all of these stories before. But after I had encountered myself in this way, um, you know, I, I found myself engaging with these stories in a much different, a much more experiential way. In particular, for me, the story of Peter. Um, so it's a place that God led me early on, you know, in that sort of encounter with myself. And all of a sudden, that story became a huge part of my journey and my awakening, and also just a, a more uh, tangible, emotional experience of God and, and why I needed um, his, his grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then af- after the second week, after you go through that process of the life of Christ, then the third week is um, being with Jesus in his suffering and death. And so it's the journey to the cross. Um, and then the fourth week is experiencing the joy of the resurrection. And so basically, um, in light of all of this, how am I to live my life now? You know, so it's joining Jesus Christ on mission. So, so those are the movements of the, the spiritual exercises. Hmm. So how would you say the spiritual exercises have changed you? I think, um, I think for me, it, it gives a framework, um, for the experience that God gave me very organically. And what I love about the concept of this um, Ignatian spirituality is it's not something that you just encounter once. I think it's, um, it's a pathway for growth and, um, you know, really for the, the entire spiritual journey. So in the Jesuit tradition, they keep coming back to this over and over in their lifetime. And kind of like, I guess, when you think about how Scripture is alive and active, um, you know, that every time you come back to it, you've changed and you know something different about yourself and you know something different about God. Um, but you continue to come back and encounter those movements as a part of your ongoing spiritual growth. Mm. So I love the opportunity that it, it provides, you know, to just keep on learning and growing. So Really how your story to just, you know, can begin to run parallel to Christ and it gives you that structure to be able to see that. Right. You know, your story right up next to his. Yeah. And and it just, I think there's something about recognizing. I, th- I quite often have um, talked about the spiral, of, you know, mm-hmm. the spiral nature of the spiritual journey that I, I feel like um, I, you know, just feel so connected to right now. And I, it's not so much that, um, you know, we're... It, the spiral nature being that's almost like Henry Nouwen says, it's like a downward mobility. Um, so when you think about how in our culture we think about, you know, going up and up and up and getting better and better. And actually the spiral journey, a big part of what I've discovered is that we're actually, it's not that we're getting worse. <laughs> we're just becoming more real. Um, so I think that the 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 spiral kind of goes around and around and and you're you're ever learning ever deepening in understanding God's love for you and as you progress along the spiritual journey um, if you looked at um, Henry Nouwen's book um, he talks about downward you know spirituality basically and at the end I think it's it's learning to share in um, Jesus is suffering. I think at the beginning of the journey, you kind of, at least I'll speak for myself, you kind of feel like there should be no suffering. 
Um, and as you continue to progress along that path and you keep coming back around to how Jesus did it, you realize, oh, no, no, this is a part of the journey. And actually, I'm not sure you can get there without the suffering. Mm, interesting. So what are you doing now with the spiritual exercises? So the, so I've been working for the last couple of years on um, a project that um, I'm, I'm basically hoping to bring. It's called the Ignatian Journey. Um, it's in development right now. And um, it's a contemporary approach to the spiritual exercises. So basically it's taking the Ignatian adventure um, and the content of the Ignatian exercises, which is, is out there in many different forms, um, but it almost it's almost like putting it together with spiritual formation, if that makes sense. So I really, um, I feel like there, Ignatian exercises is often thought of as a school of prayer or a school of discernment. And um, I think there are a lot of, after going on this journey of um, spiritual formation with all these different resources and, um, you know, things that I, that I feel like God um, led me to along the way, I've really wanted to bring those things together so that it's a little bit more experiential, a little bit more holistic um, in the approach, and also uh, addresses the possibility of different learning styles and pathways. Um, so the hope is, is that somebody could experience the Ignatian exercises and, um, and have a visually... Um, you know, beautiful experience as well as an invitation into some different introductions into some different resources. Well, and what you have done, literally, it is gorgeous. It is so beautiful. And I can't wait to see how that gets out into the world mm -hmm. eventually. But you've also got this library of incredible resources mm -hmm that it would take people years and years to find. Mm -hmm. And you've kind of cherry-picked these beautiful articles or chapters or readings or uh, ed videos and all and put them into this sequence mm -hmm. that allows us to go on this beautiful journey and kind of introduce us to all these different authors that we might choose to go deeper with. Right. Um, some of them that particularly resonates with us and experience them in a very different kind of contemporary way that when these exercises started wasn't available because there wasn't as much published right in the in these different uh, books and uh, when you think of YouTube and <laughs> right there's a lot just available out there yeah this is a particular time in history when these kinds of resources can be accumulated and you've curated them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's artistic and beautiful. And so I think the word you, you are a curator is just such a description yeah. of what you have packaged so far. So I can't wait to see how that goes. But you've also created kind of this container with all those resources, but with spaces in between mm -hmm. to reflect. And mm -hmm. I, that's been a huge part of your own journey. And so right. that's, that's the part that I love as well. It's a beautiful container of things that I could just engage my head with if I wanted mm -hmm. to. But mm -hmm. you have left spaces for me to engage all of myself. Yeah. And one thing that I would I would say, too, um, is that, you know, this it, it's tempting when, when you go on the inward journey to do a lot of this on your own. 
And one of the things that, you know, feels like it's is so important about this kind of a journey is to not do it alone. Um, so the hope is, is that, you know, you would be able to engage this journey with at least another spiritual friend. Um, ideally, the Ignatian exercises is intended to be done in the context of spiritual direction. And so when somebody does, you know, this, this particular, it, when it was first developed, you know, the thought was to, to actually leave your life for 30 days and go out and do a 30 day retreat. Um, and you know, not everybody can do that. So they've over the years developed things like the, the 19th annotation where it's really the retreat in real life. Um, so it, it's basically more like a 32 week journey that people go on. But even in that, when you do this officially in the Jesuit tradition, you do it in the context of meeting with a spiritual director, director weekly, even, um, to process and pay attention to. And then the spiritual director helps discern when you're even ready to move from week to week. Joan, so. say a little bit about what is a spiritual director and what do they do? A spiritual director is someone who, um, kind of a co-journeyer on, um, on our spiritual walk that is able to listen and hold space for, we just talked about a container. I always like to think about you're kind of holding a container of space for that other person to have this ongoing conversation with God. So it's not so much that this person is the director, God is the director, but you are help pointing them back to Christ and helping them name and notice, you know, where he's at in your walk. So Mm -hmm. spiritual direction isn't so much about, you know, like a counseling appointment where you might be trying to get somewhere or a coaching appointment. Mm -hmm. It's really just about holding that space for the other person. So what a beautiful um, uh, partner to have in this journey as you walk through the Ignatian um, uh, practices together. Yeah. one of, And that's that's one of, probably one of my biggest visions for a program like this um, would be to be used in the context of spiritual direction. So as a tool for spiritual directors, um, you know, to walk with someone through the themes of the exercises and to help discern. Um, and really, when I think about spiritual direction, I feel like it's really a, asking really good questions. Mm-hmm. So paying attention to God's movement, um, you know, with and for that person and asking questions, kind of like the question that sort of sparked the beginning of my own um, spiritual journey recently. Mm. Well, you have been on quite the beautiful journey. So Mm -hmm. thanks so much for joining us today, Lori. Is there anywhere uh, that people can get a hold of you um, or any invitation that you have? Uh, for people. Yeah. Um, well, at this, the program that I'm working on is not quite done yet and that'll come out at some point. And I'd love to, at some point, I'd love to share the, the website. It'll be an online, um, opportunity as well as have a hard copy option at some point in time. Um, I would say right now, if, if you were looking to get a hold of me, I would say my email is, um, is that what you want? The email? Anything you want. <laughs> okay. If you really want to hear sure, from me. Sure. I'm happy to. Um, it's Lori Schultz. So L-O-R-I-S-H-O-U-L-T-S, um, at att.net. Well, there you go. So Joan, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Great to be with you. And Listeners of One Life Maps podcast, thank you for joining us again today. I am so grateful for you. If you'd like to support us um, in this doing this podcast and all we do with Listen to My Life, we'd love for you to know about Patreon. Uh, you can make a donation of $5 or more per month, and you get these beautiful thank you gifts of audio meditations that will help you along the path in 
someday I'm thinking to myself, we ought to put together a collection of audio meditations to go along with the Ignatian exercises. <laughs> so that would be an interesting project mm-hmm. to take on. So many blessings, everyone. Have a great week. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S dot com.